0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Hear God's word to us. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, well, we're gonna begin uh, this part of this morning's gathering with a request for a volunteer. We're gonna play a quick game together and I need one person who's brave enough to, you won't be sorry, probably. Oh, Laura, vote, yes, okay, I knew it. Okay, come on up, Laura. Um, Yeah, let's give Laura a round of applause. Laura, vote McGee, come on up. What are you, okay, this is a great question. So today's game is really simple, okay. all right? And here's the choice you have. You have to only make one decision. This whole game revolves around one decision. And okay, you can either choose to take $5. So this is it. You could, you could take these $5 right here, okay. right now. The game's over. That's the end. Okay. You win. You, you come out, hope, you know, $5 richer than when you walked into church. Church is great, y'all, right? <laughs> Um, yes. So you could, you could take this $5, or <laughs> the boat. The boat. or you can get what's in this box, this briefcase, and yeah. which in my opinion, what's inside here not is not a boat, <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, but I think it's a lot better. All I'm going to tell you is, in my opinion, it's a lot better. Now, so, listen, listen, okay. There's some advantages of taking the 5 You know what the $5 is. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like, it's, it is $5. It's not less than $5. Now, the downside is that it's never going to be better than $5, unless you invest it in a good money market account. But <laughs> Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. There it is. So, but, so this is your $5. Now, the benefit of the box is that it could be way better. Now, the, the, the thing with this, though, is that if you, if you choose the box, you run the risk of potentially being the butt of a joke for a sermon that I will tease out later. Now, if that's the case, it's already too late for you. Uh, But that's that's one possibility. The other possibility is when I say this is better, according to my opinion, my opinion about what's in this box may not match your opinion. Like you may think, okay, Gabe thinks that's better, but there's no way I think that's better. Or there's the third option that I know you well enough, I know us as human beings well enough that my opinion about this being better then what you know this $5 to be will be better. And so this is your choice. $5 and what you know, okay. mystery box. And before, before you decide, I want us all to get engaged, okay? Yeah. Right, so, so by a show of hands, how many of you want her to pick the $5? That is coffee, guys. Okay, okay. Thanks for your trust, everybody. Um, now everybody else, so who here, right by a show of hands, wants her to go for the box? Oh, I love you guys. Thank you, appreciate that. That's really kind of you, for your vote of confidence. I know, right? All right, so Laura. I mean, you, you feel like the beard is better, and I'm not sure. That yeah, I think good. the beard is better, and you don't agree I with don't that. Think that's a good choice. Great, right? great point. Great point. <laughs> Touche. Thank you. So with that, your choice. It all comes down. Can I, before you choose, can I just get a drum roll? I've always wanted to ask about that. Can we do it? So what do you choose, Laura? Five dollars or mystery box? The mystery box all the way. Mystery box. Mr. Box. Yeah, say goodbye. So five dollars, okay? You've made your decision. All right. Thing, all the way, She's good. so kind. She's a good friend. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, you're not the butt of a joke. It's actually ten. Oh. No, no, fifteen dollars. <laughs> Thank you so much for playing the game. Thanks. Why don't you give Laura a big round of applause? (laughs) Laura, the offering box is in the back corner there. Uh, (laughs) Kidding. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Some of you are like, what in the world is going on? I came to church and we're playing games because we believe church is awesome and we have a lot of fun together. Um, But there's also a really important point to this game. You see, every decision, every decision you make in life is like this game. Except the stakes are so much higher, right? They're, they're so much higher. And, and, and chances are really good in a group this size um, that maybe, just maybe you're here and you're wrestling over some regret of some decisions you've made this past week, this past month, this past year. Maybe, maybe you're just hungry for a total restart. Maybe that's why you came to church this morning. Well, I want you to first know you're not alone. And I also want you to know that having a clean slate isn't the full answer. We believe, listen, listen, we believe that forgiveness and this is so important and that it comes from God alone. And we believe that that forgiveness comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. But when you embrace the finished work of Jesus and you begin to walk with Jesus, you not only find forgiveness and salvation from sin, but you find salvation to a whole new kind of life, a qualitatively better life. And we're invited, when we begin to follow Jesus, on therefore how to make good decisions going forward. Cue the book of Proverbs. Last week we began a journey as we are trying to discover what it looks like in kind of this unique season of the year to restart smart. And in Proverbs we're invited to glean, grow, and even learn wisdom, this art and skillful living in all of life, in God's good world. Last week we began with where we start this restart. And it starts with this posture toward God. Last week we started at the beginning in book, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7. The, be- the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We started that, or we, we, we proposed that the restart smart has to start with this posture, this right posture towards God. And this right posture is a deep respect and awe towards creator God and for his good designed boundaries such that if you cross them, they will crush you. That was last week. This right posture that stops you in your tracks from going over the cliff of your life. Today we're adding another component to this story. We're going to dive in to see how actually wisdom, restarting smart, then helps us now know how to make good decisions going forward. Not just how to stop before we go off the cliff because we have this awe, this deep respect for Creator God and His good boundaries, but then how do we go forward with confidence making decisions that lead to the good life that God's designed us to live if last week was about a posture, today is about a practice that is essential to our desire to grow in wisdom. How many, of here, how many of you in here, by the show of hands, want to grow in wisdom? That's what I thought. Yeah, exactly. When you raised that hand, you also made a statement. You made a statement that if you want to grow, that means you haven't arrived there is a gap between where you are today, who you are today, the kind of person you want to be and where you want to be and 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 to where you hope you will be, the kind of person you hope to become. There's this gap. And this morning, what we're going to come to discover is that if we long to grow in wisdom, if we long to grow in wisdom, it has so much more to do with the heart than anything else. So would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, where we're going to learn what it means to grow And wisdom. Now, when you're in Proverbs chapters one through nine, you stop, you step into the midst of a conversation. A conversation between a father and a son. And that's not because wisdom is some boys' club, okay? Instead, it's an invitation to every single person to come and now hear from a loving father who wants his children to choose their best future. And then we find ourselves in the position with this childlike curiosity. No matter how old you are, there is still life in front of you. There is plenty of things unknown. There are possibilities that are before you. And with questions and wonder, we come in this childlike position. And this whole world of possibilities hangs on one thing, what we do with our hearts. Let's look together. Proverbs chapter 3. It's littered all over our passage. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Look down to verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You jump a little bit later to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep, or as some translations have, guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The battleground for wisdom in all of life is waged in the heart for the heart. Your heart, my heart, what people don't see informs what everyone sees. And so the warning goes, be careful to whom or to what you give your heart. Now, in the Western world, we have kind of shrank our perception on what the heart means. Often, we can think that, that the heart is just relegated to romantic feelings or emotion. But throughout history and really throughout the pages of Scripture, it is much more robust than that. The heart being at the center physically of the human person has been metaphorically the center of thinking, the center of feeling, the center of our longing and desires, and the center of our decision making. You see, what you do with your heart shapes everything. Your heart is the core of your personhood, the very essence of your being. We see this if you jump over to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19. It reads, as in water face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. I like the way the NIV translates it. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Everything you do flows out of your heart. Actually, everything you know is because Your heart told you it was necessary to know. I heard someone once brilliantly say, what the heart wants, the mind finds justifiable and the hands find doable. That to which you've given your heart is what you will give your life to. And that to which you give your life will determine your destiny. Your heart is that important. And so when we come to Proverbs chapter 1, through chapter 9 this is why we see this raging competition going on for those who long to conquer the heart the two competitors folly and wisdom folly and wisdom now something that's really important to note is when you come into proverbs proverbs is not interested in dealing in the abstract proverbs is earthy, touchable wisdom. It's, it's, the, it's flesh and bone. And so it shouldn't surprise us when we come into a conversation between a father and a son, and he's wanting to make this very visceral. When he talks about folly and wisdom, he doesn't talk about it as just ideas. No, 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 no. A father and a son, and he says, listen, listen, folly and wisdom are kind of like two women, two kinds of women who are trying to conquer your heart. And I want to lay out how Scripture presents these two particular paths or two particular kinds of women as portrayed as folly and wisdom. So folly, we're given a picture, is this attractive, sharp woman who has completely disregarded her marriage vows. And she goes into the marketplace in every corner crying out to every single man to come and lay in her bed. She's brilliant at seduction. She's experienced in pleasure. And she cries out to say, listen, I will give you an experience that will blow your mind. And I also offer security. No one will ever know. Folly promises everything and says it's going to cost you nothing. Trust me. You're going to be fine. Actually, you'll be better than fine. You'll get a taste of heaven. Isn't this what you want? Isn't this what you long for? Isn't this what you need? Follow your passions. Give me your heart. But folly is never that simple, nor is it that grand. And that is what the father is pleading with his son to understand. You see, folly at first looks like it costs nothing, but slowly the cost increases. And it never really follows through on all that it promises until the very end. It costs you your very life and you're left empty-handed. Now, once again, this has nothing to do with gender. This is a picture. It could have just as well been the man of folly as it was the woman of folly if the conversation partners were different. We see that folly is luring us to death. And the father... He's warning his son. Proverbs is warning us that, listen, what's so dangerous about folly is that it feels so natural. It's so easy. It feels so natural. It feels so effortless at first. But there's another, a completely different voice who's crying out for our heart, for our attention, and this is Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom is brilliant and she's beautiful, but instead of going out into the marketplace She sits high up in her chambers and sends out her servants and cries out to the masses and says, Come to me. I come offering life. Not instant gratification underneath the shadows of darkness, but life out in the open without shame, with nothing to hide, nothing to lose. Come to me. And the father is pleading with his son again and again, Chase after wisdom. Love her. Listen to her. She's got much to teach you. This is the wise one, son. Wisdom isn't there to take. It's there to give. It's there to build up and to strengthen and to show you the way of the life you long to live. And the father is saying, oh, listen, son, I know folly will feel easy and it's going to seem so natural to chase after her. Ah, but chase after wisdom. And you must chase. It's going to take work to chase wisdom at first. And a way that we can say this is if you really want to grow in wisdom what we can learn in proverbs is that we get wiser when we actually train our hearts better we get wiser when we train our hearts better it's natural it's easy to chase after folly but it takes training for our hearts to see wisdom and what we need so desperately in this training is for someone to show us the way we need someone to say, hey, this right here, this is folly. Learn and understand. This over here, this right here, this is wisdom. Learn and understand. We need someone to train our hearts. We need someone to say, I know that looks easy, but this is better. And this is where, in our longing to grow, grow wiser and train our hearts better, this is where we land in verse 5 of chapter 3. Look with me again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. The Father wants us to know. Proverbs wants us to know that if, if you want to grow in wisdom, you have to trust God's definition of wisdom and his definition of folly. And if you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to grow in wisdom, and growing wiser comes from training the heart better, then understand this, trusting God, walking with God, is the training. It's learning to see the world through his eyes, the way that he's designed the contours, the mountaintops, and the valleys, and walking with him. And so knowing how he's designed his world, and when he says, don't step there, we say, okay, that must not be a safe place to walk. But instead, follow this path. Okay, we trust. Trusting God is the training. Trust, trust isn't knowing all the answers. Trust isn't having 100% certainty. Trust isn't knowing everything there is to know, having every rock unturned, being 100% clear. Sometimes it feels quite a bit unsure. Sometimes we say trust and we say I do uh, when we're fairly confident. Um, Trust, at the end of the day, lives and believes like God has your best in mind when it isn't what you had in mind. That's trust. It's risky. It's picking the box over against the $5. Even though you may not know what's in there, you trust his opinion matters. And when you start to trust like that, it will breed conflict. Because when you trust one person wholly, You can't trust everyone. There will be conflicting statements on what is reality. There will be conflicting statements on what's the right step forward. And one of the greatest battles that is waged for wisdom isn't isn't between God and others. It's actually between God and ourselves. Return back again here to verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not into your own understanding. I love the way that Eugene Peterson in his message paraphrases. He says, Trust in the Lord from the bottom of your heart and don't try to figure it out on your own. <laughs> God's spoken. He is speaking. He is working. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That means, and these are real situations, folks. You've probably experienced this. This, I'm guaranteed you've experienced this, where you're going on in life and God says, listen, this is what's wise right here. But internally you think, that's wise? That looks really foolish. I can think of a lot of other wise paths. And even though I don't understand, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to follow. Trusting God looks like when he says, listen, over here, this is foolish. Don't get into it. And in your heart, you feel like you understand. But God, that looks really, really wise. Why are you saying that's foolish? And God says, no, 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 no. You may not understand, but follow me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Trust at the end of the day, wisdom at the end of the day has a deep skepticism towards our own desires and knowledge when they conflict against His Word. You know, this morning has been kind of a littered with surprises in some degree. We, um, how many of you like sugar in your coffee? How many of you? We've got a few folks. Now, how many of you saw the sugar that was in the salt container yeah, and you're like, what in the world? And then there's a little sticker on the front that says, trust me, I'm sugar, and a little Morton salt, Tyler's holding it up over there. Some of you, this, this is what happened in first service. There was a couple, and they both said they like sugar in their coffee, and I said, who, who actually used the sugar? The husband was like, no way. The wife raised her hand, and I was like, okay. So listen, when you see that, your trust, you know, your trust of writing, of words, is based upon the character and the competency of those who communicate it. Yes? So if you didn't take it, you didn't trust that Tyler and I, Tyler or I, uh, were actually being honest with that, and maybe like this is they ran out of sugar and they thought they could pull the wool. I know what salt tastes like. Um, And then others of you are like, oh, maybe they ran out of a container. This is really weird that they put sugar in a salt container, but you did it anyway, because you really wanted sugar. And you try, listen, the level of your trust based upon someone's words is always based upon the person behind those words. You trust someone based upon their character, so who they are, do they, are they the kinds of people who follow through on what they say, and their competency, do they have the power and the ability to follow through with what they say? And your trust is based Your trust of those words is based upon that person, their character and their competency. And I want you to think about this. When we are called to trust in the Lord with all your heart, think about this. Think about who we're called to trust in. The concept of God is not some idea that was fabricated by man or even as a recent idea from a a couple decades, a couple centuries, but more... This is, this is thousands of years old, and what God has been doing in the world, Yahweh, the Creator God, creates the world out of the overflow of His love for the world, and then we think we know better, we lean on our own understanding, and we begin the cycle of destruction that breeds destruction this world over, but God doesn't give up on us. He actually incurs a rescue plan, or begins a rescue plan that He had planned from eternity past, and then He becomes the father of Abraham, or the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of Israel, and is orchestrating all of history till at the right time in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Just at the right time, he sends his son Jesus, who actually dies for all of that destruction and that brokenness, all of our sin. And when the rest of the world laughed in mockery and said, look at the foolishness of this man named Jesus, the wisdom of God was on full four, on complete display, such that three days later, he rose again. And Jesus says, I hold the keys to life and life abundance such that not even death yes. can stop me and the work that I'm doing in the world. Listen, anybody, anybody who can do that and does that for me, I want to listen to them. They have garnered, they have earned my trust. And then you come, if you have any question about God's motives and what he longs for you, you come to Proverbs 3. And when he says, you give me your heart, what do we see that he wants to give us? Chapter 3, verse 2, length of days and years of life. Peace, this shalom, this inner peace, that actually this wholeness he longs to give us. Chapter 3, verse 4, good favor. Favor and good success in the sight of God and humankind. Verse 6. When we lean into Him, when we trust Him with all our heart, when we acknowledge Him, know Him in the midst of our paths, when we walk with Him, He makes our paths straight. That means, in many ways, making it easier. Not that it's easy, but they're not winding. They're not all these detours, but we're walking with Him. He makes it clear. Now, I was talking to someone after a first service, and they said, interesting when you said straight, because I feel like my path is windy, and sometimes it only looks straight from a, a big aerial view of a whole life. Or sometimes there are some twists and turns, but it's always been headed in the same direction when God is the consistent guide. Or you get down to verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. If there's anything that we see here, it's God's deep desire for our good and the life we long to live. He desires our good. And if he's got the character, if he's got the capacity, if this is his compassionate heart for us, why wouldn't we trust him? If you want to get wiser... You got to train your heart better because it's so natural to chase after folly that will lead to our destruction and it seems wise in our own eyes at the moment but trusting God is the training walking with him and trusting when he says this is wisdom or he says this is folly that's how we grow into the people we long to be the people he's called us to be in Jesus and he's worthy of our trust But this trust, it doesn't just happen overnight. A lifestyle of trust, it doesn't just happen overnight. So I want you to try this. I want you to trust God with one thing each day for 30 days. Just try it. Trust God with one thing each day for 30 days. Start small. It could be something something small. Maybe it's something you're curious about, something you're frustrated with, something you're wrestling around uh, with. Start small. And then... Dig into God's word. What has God already spoken about that? How has he revealed his wisdom about that particular issue? And then surrender it up to him and entrust it into his hands and see what happens. Just see what happens. It could be the same thing every day for a consistent period of time. It could be something different every day, but just trust God with one thing each day for 30 days and see what happens. For some of you, I know you feel like I've had these conversations with you over coffee or visited you in your workspace, and you maybe for some of you it feels you feel like you're stuck at work. You feel like you're spinning your wheels. Maybe it's an overbearing boss. Maybe it's a a lack of challenge. Whatever it might be. I see some smiles. Um, What would it look like for you to trust him with your stuckness tomorrow, this time tomorrow? Dig into God's word. What does he first say about this broadly? You could go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, what? Work heartily. Work really hard as if you're working for Jesus, for the Lord, not for humankind. That's a step one. So work really hard even though you're really frustrated. um, And do it unto God. And then entrust Him. Okay, that might mean a departure for you or change in position there. Or even, you never know how that might change the environment in which you find yourself. But either way, God will work when we trust in Him. He'll either work within us or in the circumstances around us but he's always working because he's alive and he's real. So what would it look like for you to trust God with one thing each day for 30 days? Start small. And I'm not even saying do a whole bunch of new things. Just do the things you've been doing, but do them differently with an attitude and a posture of trust. And then once you kind of get the hang of that, then I think you can move on to trust God with your big plans. Those big audacious goals you have for your life. Those things you feel like God's laid on your heart. The thing with plans are that they're just naturally uncontrollable to some degree. Um, They they have a lot of mystery to them, right, plans. There's all these questions about what will happen, what won't happen, and then, of course, you get into the language of what should happen. What's best for me? What's best for our community? You know, for us, you know, at Christ Community, one of those big questions for me that's just been real is just wrestling through facilities stuff. And I know we've been in this conversation for a while, and it's like, Well, what does best look like? Are there spaces that we should engage or shouldn't engage? What does it look like for the good of this campus and the one church in five locations? How do we navigate all the complexities of that, right, when it comes to trusting God with our big plans? Well, the Proverbs are rife with guidance when it comes to plans because we live in a world where God is in control and we aren't. And our plans can become an amazing exercise in trust. And what I want to first say is that as we're trusting God is the training, one thing that you need to understand is if you look across the pages and, you know, the verses of Proverbs, one thing you will not find ever is a prohibition against planning. Go looking for it. You won't find it. There's no like, hey, I want you to be really intentional about being careless and watch watch God deliver you. No, you won't find that anywhere. So just... Let's just be clear. What, what Proverbs is assuming that if you're chasing after wisdom, you're making plans. The distinction between wise people making plans and foolish people making plans is how you engage the Lord. And so I want to just give two quick um, categories how wise plans can exercise trust in God in two ways, okay? And here, here's, here's the first one. If you want to grow in wisdom and you want to train your heart better and 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 trusting God is that training, then first seek God's guidance, not just His help. You see, trusting God, it doesn't mean we're just trusting God to do what I want Him to do. Like, I figured out all my plans. Oh, this is going to be good. Now, God, okay, make it happen. That's not trusting God. That's manipulating God. That's making demands upon God. And sometimes we can take some of these verses out of context, or we don't necessarily mean to. But that's not, that's not the way of wisdom. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 16. Down here at verse 3. We're given brilliant insight here on how to continue to grow in our trust, not just make our plans become reality, but know our God better. Here, chapter 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Sometimes we can come to that and think once again, Okay, I've got all my plans, now I commit it to you, God, to make it happen. That's not what that means. What it means is you're inviting God into the very guidance. Okay, God, what do you say is wise? What do you say is foolish? I've got some desires that you've, I feel like you've laid on my heart. I'm going to lay them before you. And if that's your will, you know, bring it about. Like, commit your work. Invite God into the guidance, not just in the help to accomplish your plans. This is so crucial. And then you begin to lean into what he's already spoken is his wisdom about a particular issue or component of your life. And then you seek his guidance and discernment in areas where it's gray. That's where we find great promise and hope. But that's, that's one of the first ways in which wisdom shapes plans. The second way is hold tighter to him than your plans. If you want to grow in wisdom and you want to train your heart better, trusting Him is the training. (laughs) When it comes to your plans, you've got to hold tighter to Him than your plans. Trusting God means what? You're living and believing like God always has your best in mind even if it isn't what you have in mind. It's so important. He defines wisdom. He defines folly. He knows the way and we follow. Hold tighter to Him. It's about walking with Him. He's the one who holds wisdom. It is His attribute that He's willing to share. So hold tighter to him than your plans. That's how we grow in trust, right there, when it comes to trusting God with your big plans. And shouldn't we, at this point in salvation history, have all the more reason to trust him than the author of Proverbs? If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, then you know that uh, in the first century, the darkest day in history became the beacon of hope for all of history. You know that the day that, according to the world, where it looked like hope died on a cross was actually the day that hope was born again. You know that when the rest of the world scoffed at Jesus hanging on the cross and said, foolishness, God would allow his son to die? Foolishness. And it seemed wise to God. We see one of the wisest, most brilliant pathways of forgiveness and God's compassion and his heart for the world. And listen, I think what's so crucial to understand is that when you lean into the way of wisdom and you follow Jesus, isn't it also true that the disciples for three days questioned whether or not it was foolish or wise? After the crucifixion, Wondering what's happening next. I thought he was the Messiah. I thought he was the chosen one. We put all of our eggs in this basket. And now we're terrified that the next knock on the door might be our life for three days. Wrestling with, God, I thought you were in control here. What was Jesus doing on the cross? For three days. Wrestling with, when they leaned into God's wisdom, it felt like foolishness. Until three days later, they were shocked. They were stunned. Even though Jesus said it again and again, they... It was hard for them to believe, but Jesus had risen. They had to touch him. They felt him. They ate breakfast with him beside the water. And not only when they saw Jesus resurrected were they encouraged and given greater courage to go and proclaim this amazing news, but they grew in wisdom because they understood all the more that God was worthy of their trust. That even in the darkest of moments, when it appears to be foolishness and yet God says it's wisdom, He's right, and one day He will prove it to be true. Because wisdom, if you want to grow in wisdom, it's training your heart better. And trusting God is the training ground. Yeah. Trusting what He has said over against even sometimes what we're influenced by broader culture or even in the deepest recesses of our heart go, I, 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 and you press against what God has spoken in His Word and you say, okay. I'm going to lean in and trust you even if I don't understand right now. Because we have an all-wise God who knows everything. We have an all-wise God who has all power. We have an all-wise God who is unbelievably good. Do you want to grow in wisdom? Practice trust. Practice trust even... When there are spots in your life, it looks like foolishness, but God's Word guides you deep in. When the broader cultural situation in which you find yourself says, there's no way that can be wise, and you say, I'm going to trust God with all of my heart and not lean on my own understanding. Practice trust. Start small, but shoot as the target to trust Him with all because He's worth it. Trust that what He has in the box Is better within what the rest of the world is showing you will you trust him go with the box you won't be sorry you did let's pray god our hearts are prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love And one of the greatest um, battles I wage is constantly my own flesh, my own arrogance, rather than humbly trusting you with everything, with all of my heart, from the bottom of my heart. God, we long to grow in wisdom. And you've invited us to do that by the power of your Holy Spirit, whom in the new covenant in Jesus gives us a new heart and actually enables us to grow in this wisdom as we walk with Jesus in his yoke. God, may we do so. And so along the way, may you bring confirmation, validation that we are on the right path, the straight and narrow path. May you continue to point us to life and life everlasting. And may we walk in step with you and become the kind of people you long us to be, we long to be the kind of people you've designed us to be, all in our relationship with you. We love you, God. Thank you so much for caring so deeply for us and being someone who's worthy of our trust. In Jesus' name and by the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.